Welcome to Communities in the Making podcast, which focuses on learning from a project in Bromley-by-Bow in East London, England. Our aim is to share some themes with fellow artists or community workers who are setting up and running art-based community projects, or indeed community-based art projects. We are your hosts. I'm Becky Seal. I'm a participatory researcher and community coach. And myself, Romeo Gongola. I'm a visual artist doing participatory art projects around the globe. Um, and the theme that we were pick- we're picking up in today's episode is um, how to let go control without dropping people in it. So that's our topic for today. Should we bring in our guests? Yes, exactly. So today we have three special guests. So we have here Mandy Harrigal. Yes, my name is Mandy Harrigal. I am currently the engagement lead at the Bromley by Bow Centre, but I'm also a local person and lived in Bromley by Bow for 30 years. And Jess? Um, I'm Jess Danidou, and I've been in the path of the Bromley by Bow with different sessions, and I've been enjoying working in the centre with different projects and the community. And our third guest today is Frank Kreber. Hi, uh, I'm Frank Krieber. I'm an artist. I've been based here for 35 years. I've worked in the centre in a number of different roles, um, but particularly around developing community arts activities and programmes. And I'm also doing a, a large number of paintings about East London, which are based upon stories of being involved at Bromley by Bow. And uh, so, as Vicky was saying, uh, this uh, interview today is about uh, understanding a bit more uh, how to let go control without dropping people on it. Mm. Um, so just to kind of situate ourselves in what that might mean, um, I thought I'd share a story from the project. Um, so uh, Mandy, you'll remember this, when we first started recruiting um, our team of local people to go out and be researchers for the project, um, I had a vision that I wanted there to be a blank page So I didn't want to come up with the research question that we were going to be going out and asking people. And I wanted us to kind of take up roles within this group of local people so that we ran the project together. Um, But I would say probably, um, although I'm proud of that aspiration, I think we learned a bit the hard way that um, sometimes a blank sheet of paper isn't always the most helpful. um, And that actually over time, what the group expressed was some discomfort with not having enough structure um, and and certainly I think Mandy and I have reflected afterwards that it impacted our well-being as well. So that's why we came up with the, f- the phrase how to let go control without dropping people in it because it, it feels to me like a very tricky balancing act um, uh, and that we can quite easily get sucked into um, going, oh well they want more structure so Let's really, really structure it, and then we lose <laughs> any sense of shared power. Yeah. Do you have, like, a, for example, uh, an example that like happened um, if you think about this situation? Yeah. So um, I think it worked well when we were deciding the research questions together because because I had a process. Um, so this is an example of a structure. So I I had sticky starts, and um, we had a conversation about what the question could be with the community researchers. With the community community. researchers, yeah, Mm -hmm. and um, and then we all voted. Like everyone had a certain number of sticky starts, and then we voted on the question that we wanted. And I think that worked well. Um, And I'm thinking there were time. I think the structure for me was is the question was quite clear, and people knew, but there was no structure. So it allowed people to sort of go off and ask questions in different ways. And different groups that we was out of control of, and I and I guess for me, I don't know how 
how we manage that. So at 11 o'clock at night, you would discover that's a great time to do their conversations. Mm. I felt that sort of took its, took its bandwidth. So at 11 o'clock at night, I'm getting messages mm. around. And I was like, we've got to control this slightly. So there's something about allowing people the freedom, mm. because they do have you know, much more knowledge, but you still need to contain it in some way mm. because the impact then became on us. Mm. I think that's what I was feeling. Mm. So it's really about a balance between freedom and control now. Mm. So maybe this leads us to the first question I would like to ask to our guest today. What is your understanding of the concept and importance of letting go control in a community context? Well, I ran um, a, a youth arts project for 10 years, um, every Thursday, 7 in the evening. And um, actually, I had a few friends who gathered around me who were artists who wanted to paint murals with me. So we'd turn up at seven o'clock and we'd sort of just start painting, really, me and my friends who were adult artists. And um, some of the kids would drift in, you know, five past seven, and they'd have a bag of sweets and a, and a can of drink. And I kind of let them get on with having a conversation. It'd been a long day at school, so I'd let them just relax and, you know, have sweets and a drink. And eventually, after half an hour, they'd realise we were working on the mural that we were all supposed to be working on. But I wouldn't make them work, because I knew they'd have a busy day at school. So I thought by just creating a creative environment for them, mm. actually, they'd understand the vision. We'd talk through the vision of what we wanted the mural to be and who it was for. But I wasn't going to kind of be too authoritarian about it. I was going to let them kind of un sort of understand what their internal motivations were in a way and gradually assign them different roles according to what they wanted to get out of the group. So I'm hearing that there, there was a certain amount of structure which was the vision and knowing who it was for but other than that it was it was quite free and then gradually some more roles role got assigned. And I think yeah. also Frank was saying to give some roles yes, as well. but only gradually I heard gradually. say, so not like uh, right in the first instance. Is yeah. there something important about feeling freer at the beginning or? Finding that sense of belonging, I think, and that purpose mm -hmm. is, is, is quite a key. So and I know from some of the youngsters, you know, actually having a chance to explore. So mm -hmm. you've got children that, you know, probably doesn't grasp what arts are, so someone come along and explore, or remember the groups really well, but you get that magic that grows within it, and that sense of belonging and that here, you always find those that want to do something. And that, I think, encourages others to follow. Maybe. And actually some of the kids' roles in the group might be just to be really good at being the leader in the group, yeah. you know. And, and once you sort of um, make them relax enough to find, you know, so they can see this is a creative thing, they can make their own art, they can do their own figure, they'll get other, the other children on board. So they go with what they feel, what they're getting from yeah. And, and you, Jess, do you, what do you think of that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, to answer your question initially, I think um, the balance between freedom and, and control is it, a fine line and it depends which group you work with, but, you know, um, age group and ethnicity. I think with this, it's important maybe to have a, some form of foundation, at least a theme, and then that, would, I guess, would be the control bit. But then from that, I mean, a theme so people can go back to it if they lose track of what it is about. But within that, to have as much freedom and to be able to explore, and I think within that exploration, as long as you have time to explore, because time can be limiting and that can be another form of control. Um, if, if you have the time to explore, then I think it would be enriched through the fact that you have that freedom to explore. Mm -hmm. 
and then you can only obtain well, obtain good work with this and a multitude of, of facets to with the project. So that's how I see it. And, and just, I'm interested because you, you came along to some of the workshops that Romeo and I set up. And what was your experience of how loose or controlled those were? I have a first-hand experience, um, when I remember this. Um, so to me, what, within the project, what was very dear to me was sustainability and um, eco-friendliness and the rest of it. And from as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to build my own home. And so I integrated this into the project and went about designing and building out of clay what I thought would be the, the dream home. But then I, I, within that, I I've, didn't allow myself as much freedom and I was restricted myself and, and making it, I suppose, too controlled. And Romero kept coming over to my table and I think he was trying to hint it to just loosen up a bit more, you know, just, just you know, just doesn't have to be, you know, lines, it doesn't have to, yeah, you, you want to build a house, mm. we, we get that but you don't have to be so structured. Mm. And somehow I was struggling with that because if it is a house in my mind, it has to be structured to a, mm. to a certain degree. You need to allow freedom and allow more to flowing dream. to take place. Dreaming mm. Yeah, yes, um. that's it. And, and I think throughout the project itself, that was definitely uh, being passed on. And because there were several of us working on a project, I could see how other people were um, being more flowy with their project, with their work. I think that, you know, as an artist, uh, it's one of the challenges is to be arriving and give, be able ourselves, but also to people with whom we work, to give them freedom mm -hmm. and ways of dreaming. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Well, yeah, I think um, art is a very open-ended idea, isn't it? So, when an artist runs a community project, we want things to emerge out of, out of the chemistry of that group, don't we? So in a way, in some respects, we, it doesn't matter what emerges. What's important is that group of people come together and become a community in a way. They build relationships. And actually, whether you're gardening or painting a mural or building a sculpture, in a way, that's very important. It's an important focus. But people then begin to have roles and they begin to understand each other, their personalities. But in a way, the big outcome is that they become a community. I don't know how it's for you when you're working here in Bromley Bible, but with my colleagues, this is a discussion we have quite often as artists, is that we arrive with some expectations and we kind of sometimes take the participant as a kind of free labor, you know, to make the work, which it should not be like that. Because uh, I think as you kind of saying it, so it's not the result who is the important part, it's the, the process and the exchange with the people, isn't it? And Romeo, because I, I recognize what you've described, Jess, of Romeo continually saying it doesn't need to look perfect. You know, like what we're making here isn't isn't art um, that you might have in your head of you know what goes in galleries and things. It might go in galleries, mm -hmm. but what, so where does that come from from you? Because I found that really helpful as well as a, as a researcher who tends to think in boxes of you know demographics of people and things. I found that very liberating. But where does it come from for you? I think it comes from my history of artists working with the community and uh, with also the community art movement, where. The idea was not to make a painting or like a sculpture, but make more to be able to work with people and together transform the world. Isn't it fun? Yeah, I think um, 
when you're working with a team, it's often the really quiet people who've got the great ideas. So when I'm sort of establishing a project and getting it going, you know, you, you listen to everyone's voice and it's whoever's got the best idea, really, and we just go with that because you want to develop something really interesting and innovative, really. So it might be the very quietest, vulnerable people who have the best idea. But isn't that, what I hear with that, is, isn't that sort of form of, of control to go with the best idea? I mean, yeah, who, definitely. Who, about who is then decide the best idea? Well, I think you're, you're the leader. So you have to provide sort of gentle leadership, I think, because you've got a vision for this. You're maybe creating something that might be shown in the public. So you want your group to be really proud. I mean, you must have experienced this, Mandy. You've sort of worked with a group and then you've got the group's got to present their ideas mm. in public. Yeah, I mean, I think you, there is control, but there isn't control. I mean, you're there because you know you're going there to do a form of art. So mm. you've not gone there not knowing that. Well, that's the control that goes. Mm. You express and sort of discover and work it out for yourself. So Frank's right, we've had some amazing members over the years that have become fine artists and they've had um, exhibitions, they've had some amazing sort of guys. I think the ownership on bringing people together, as you were saying, Frank, means that everybody owns it at some point. Roles are decided amongst that group, yeah. but I think that grows organic mm. in the sense of belonging. Once, I think once people come together, but art's therapeutic, isn't it? So you can use it in a much more humanistic way. So you with some people, some people are passionate about doing stuff. I'd have been the artist at the back quite happy just getting a nice feel of it. Mm. Some of the members would have been at the front wanting to be heard, but it's wonderful when they exhibit their work and yeah. everyone's played a part yeah. of creating that. So it sounds to me that, so it's like the outcome that you want does affect how much control you exert, that soft leadership you talked about, Frank. And is that like you talked about belonging and kind of create, forming the group as one outcome that you're kind of heading towards. Um, but also some, some art that people feel proud of, mm. um, which might not look pretty, but it seems like, I don't know, how do those outcomes affect how we keep the balance between control and freedom? Well, I think this park is a good example because we built this with, you know, just the local people, actually. Mm. So when we built the community garden, which is that circular garden there, we built it over about five Saturdays in February, really mm. cold weather. And people just came out of the flats. Do you remember your, your girls were involved? Everybody got involved. And if you look around the pathway, you'll see lots of little ceramic, little sort of um, tiles in the park out there. And that's just to make sure that, because the park was designed by everybody in the community over a five-year process, I think, bit by bit, people built that. But even the members, some of the most honourable members, the reason we make tiles for is even they can go out there and probably pick. Lisa G definitely picks two that she was part of me. Yeah. So, so it's a complex process because we also got, we also took groups to see examples of good practice of community gardens. We got um, a really good garden designer to give us a basic kind of idea of that shape of that community garden. Mm. But we didn't quite know how to, to build it. When we turned up in February, we sort of had this round circular drawing and we all had to go, how are we going to do this, you know, mm. with a piece of string and uh, you know, digging up the cement and all getting involved in different ways. So the result is important, it's not just the method. Mm. We could, if we'd asked everyone what they wanted the park to be, it could have been a grid of a mishmash of, mm. of, oh, there's a bit there, there's a bit there. It could have been, you know, actually not a particularly inspiring park, mm. without big areas of play, without... People own it yeah. in the community. I think what I'm hearing, sitting on the outside, is like in order to have quality, Mm -hmm. in any work, some form of control. It sounds like 
to a degree, control equates quality. Mm. And if some kind of control isn't administered, then it can get lost and then it's a mishmash or, you know. You know, it's interesting that you use the word quality because in more into the art sphere, we use the word aesthetic. Mm. There is always like a kind of struggle between the ethic, you know, working with yeah. people and about this idea of getting control or not. Yeah. And then the quality, which has because to do with more to do something artistic that has quality. But that's subjective, isn't it? Yeah. Quality. What is quality? Mm. What is aesthetic? And that's it's, what it's my, really... I wanted to ask you. It's like, what's the quality of a garden? The garden can be very uh, wild and doesn't look good for some standard, but for other people it can be a nice garden. And, and it occurred to me that when you were speaking as well that held within that word quality, like the quality of it that people can feel proud of, there's emotions as well. So it's not just the look of the thing, but that people feel safe, that they're heading towards something that feels owned by the group and the, that they can feel proud of. Like there's, there's something about that as well. In the... so, so built into the design idea of the park was the quality of ideas, really. That mm. There was a continued um, involvement of local people actually planting and growing in the park. So we could have, you know, a council might design a park without any interaction ongoing into the future, but we designed that park specifically so that local people could carry on growing and growing mm. uh, plants to eat even. Mm. I mean, a park has been grown by the local community. Somebody sort of asks quite often in a tour, how does it maintain the sort of upkeep of the park? And I truly believe it's because people have been involved in creating that park so in the early days on the Saturdays when I would be in the park with the children and they'd plant their daffodils, other children would come and take them out. Quite often the child would shout out, you know, don't put my flowers out. Mm -hmm. We just say, don't put it out, this is your space. Something really powerful about the words, come and help us. Big mm -hmm. weather sense of belonging and we'll probably pick some of those mm -hmm. plants. I think that has made it work really well. And, and one of the bits of the park we designed was that mound and the idea was to have an amphitheatre so we could have you know, theatre performances or artistic activities happening. Mm. So we kind of thought about that as well. I'm wondering, because we are talking about like more the process of it, but I'm wondering also in terms of emotions. Like, I wonder, like, for example, you and Becky, when you arrive and things were not being able, like, free between freedom and control, did you struggle? Yeah, this is it. And I, and I, I think um, I've been wondering as we've had this conversation, like, how does it feel? Um, as somebody, like how do you, how do we sense when we're feeling like we're over controlling something and when we're under controlling something? Um, and I just to kick that conversation off, I, I feel when I felt like I was over controlling, I feel like I would, I'd noticed that I was speaking too much and that everyone was quiet. And then when I stopped to ask, you know, to invite input, often I'd get silence, you know, and then it would be put me back in like, oh, I'm still the leader, um, and, a, and a bit of panic, like, how do I shift this? And then if, when it felt like it was flowing and there was freedom but enough structure, I suppose I just noticed, like, it felt organic. It must have been a framework that it was helping people do things in the direction that we wanted to go. I don't know what do other people feel when... Yeah, they're... because I think it's a very fragile balance it, it between is. this idea of, like, feeling uh, in a safe space where everybody can get involved mm. and then having someone who's controlling too much. Um, yeah. I'm wondering you, just your experience as being participant in some of the workshop. I think you... what was helpful is, although a lot of freedom was not only given, 
expected and, and, and definitely pushed forward, there is still some kind of a base of structure. So everybody, all the participants had a, an idea of the, the, the outcome, the overall outcome at the end, you know, the whole reason why we basically showed an interest. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the people that were there were there because they were basically interested in this particular project, the, the so-called outcome of it. Um, and so that, that is, of, of, I'm sure, often in any kind of projects, it's important to have some kind of a good base because, you know, sometimes in your freedom, in your flowing, in, in when you're thick into your art, you, you go, of course, and you, you might forget, you know, what the whole thing is about. But to have something to go back to, initial point, is useful. And, and if one wants to call it control, then so be it. But I think a little kind of, the seed needs to be there in order, you know, something to So what I hear from you is that you, when you're working, participating in a workshop, you need to feel a bit that there is a bit of control or a bit of like, in order to feel safe. Or is that structure? Um, a bit of structure. Yeah. A little bit of structure, or at least, uh, yeah, some kind of parameter, I guess, mm. to an extent. But, uh, but it's and nice when there to... there is no parameter, what, how do you feel? Um, well, I wouldn't say I wouldn't feel safe. Um, it, it re I think it's, again, it's a lot to do with frame of mind, you know, it, it depends. You, you'll be working with people that have different frame of mind a different day. So one day you're really happy to just be, go off course and be totally flowing and free with, with your arts and, and project. Another time you feel a little insecure and you need to be surrounded a bit more. And, and for you, Frank, how do you experience that? I don't know if you remember, Mandy, but we did a, as part of the youth project, we did this consultation about the roundabout, local roundabout. So this is the youth group I used to run called Signs of Life, which was basically a public art project. And we got some money, um, we got a small grant, well, it was quite a reasonable size grant, to do a consultation about the roundabout. And um, we thought, oh, and the, the idea, we were sort of being asked by a regeneration company locally, to ask local young people what they thought about the roundabout. This, this is quite a grim reminder. Well, it's a sort of grim sign of, of a much better neighbourhood, really. A, a neighbourhood that's on the up, but the roundabout's very grim. Mm -hmm. And there were no traffic lights. Um, there were some McDonald's, and kids used to have to risk their lives going across the road to McDonald's. So we were asked to do a consultation project about um, to involve local children. So what we did was we thought, well, let's up get the children to do a consultation mm. for their peer group. Mm. And then, um, so we built a big sculpture of the roundabout in the hall and, and a big wall for children to draw on. And we, that was good. And then we had £600 left in the budget, almost towards the end of the thing. And we were kind of thinking, oh, what have we got with this? You know, we had someone who, a student who did some great visuals. And my friend Nick, who ran the group with me a bit, he said, oh, well, let's take them in an aeroplane, because he'd done parachuting. So we, we took them to the local airport up near Stansted, a little airport, and we flew them over. Some of them had never been in an aeroplane. So we flew them over the area and right into London. They could see where they lived, and there's photos of them looking down from the aircraft. And it was like an incredible thing. So there was a plan, but actually halfway through, we thought, scrap the plan, let's just do that, because it's really creative. And it kind of changed their lives in many ways, because Mustafa now runs a very successful cafe on Roman Road. You know, so you've got to go with the flow, you've got to take the most creative idea in, in your pathway.
And how, how do you do that to be, the, be in the flow? How would you explain that? Because I feel that there is a, a bit like this idea of like being present there and open to what happened. No? Yeah, I mean, it was. My instinct was right because I actually got the kids in the newspaper and their project was really good. And, and the outcome of the project went into the least side generations plan, which won a terrible, I mean, the Lord Mayor of London's award or something. Mm. But um, I think you've just, you've got to have a good, strong plan. You've got to have a strong vision, but you've got to be really open to the moment, mm. haven't you? It's a journey. You're taking the children on a journey. And you've got to, if you see somewhere to turn right and it's a lovely place to take them, let's, let's do it, you know. Mm. I think yeah. instinct. You've got to trust your instinct. And sometimes, you know, it's, something can be either too free, too much freedom, anything like that. I've got to restrain this. I think instinctively one knows somehow. Mm -hmm. I think if you're an artist, it might be a little easier as well to, to you know, listen to your gut feelings. And I think that is part of the magic of community projects is that the, those ideas come in left field, don't they? If we create the space for them to come in, they do come in yeah. and then incredible things happen. Exactly. If we were to give some tips then, like from thinking what we've talked about here today, what would our advice be to anyone who was setting up a community art-based project? I'd say with, you know, top of my, my, mind, my head, I think uh, listening is definitely a good skill. And listening to what people are saying, or even not necessarily listen, but be observant of people. Often you can learn a lot and then the project could be more enriching if you actually pay attention. Mm -hmm. I think trust is really important and I think of a group of carers that I've been working with for a year and I have actually let that go and allowed that to develop itself. There's been an element of trust, there is a structure to it because the, the, the common theme is being a carer. So you've got a, all of an interest but the peer support and the empowerment there, mm -hmm. I've trusted that group and let it go. How do, you, how do you build up this trust? How do you build the trust yes. by allowing the people to be? So I bring them together quite regular. So there is always going to be a structure around even a conversation. But if people are talking about, you know, so the group really are passionately wanting to make sure that their voice is heard. So we've got lots of support for carers in the borough with adults, and not a lot with children. That's their issue. So we just keep on reminding them of the subjects and, and just letting them go, allowing people to tell us what's important to them and what's not. And I try and facilitate, make sure some of the speakers come along to address some of those as a group. And so they are leaving on their own training there. And Mandy, I remember us having quite frantic moments where we were like struggling with letting go of that control and yeah. tr trusting that the group would work. So what advice would you give? You, you've obviously now had experience with the carers and with our mm. stuff of that magic happening. So what advice would you give to people who are kind of wobbling with that feeling of, you know, oh, should I let go control or am I hurting people by doing this? Like, what's going to happen? Mm, that's quite a deep question. <laughs> I think about that. I think there's something, when you bring people together, I'm trying to look at myself, and we came along, we all had that very similarity. So Frank Shackle would have had something like arts and interest. But there was a lot of letting go in there. I mean, we were very powerful speaking community people, and I think Frank would pledge for that. We could never be told what to do. You have to discover something. It's what you feel when I truly, truly believe that the reason I let go of was because I walk out with that feeling. That's that feeling that brings you back. There's something you have to feel. So I, I truly do believe um, when you get that sense of belonging and you can connect to that other person, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to get it wrong because you're all, there's an unspoken conversation. So we're all in a room together and 
we've got children that are struggling and I was a mum that didn't sleep for two days, you'd automatically understand that and wouldn't want to question you more. So we would just talk about, well, actually, why did some of my son go to sleep? They've got solutions already. So it's allowing people to sort of answer back within there because they've walked those journeys. And I guess the trust for me is that they have the answers, not us. Um, and, and I would say, um, you know, you just spend the, the beginning of the project, you just get to know people, build relationships, really, mm. because then you can understand their internal motivations and what they probably want to get out of being part of that group. And then you just need to be part of that community for that moment that you're running a project. Um, and you're taking a journey together. And you need to make people feel secure that yeah. good ideas are coming from the group, but there doesn't need to be kind of peer pressure that they have to have good ideas, or it's annoying that that person always has a good idea. So you just have to orchestrate it as well. So that you're creating a new tune together. Everyone's got a different kind of way of contributing to that overall tune, I suppose. And I purposely bring different people along to these groups to just create a bit of a deeper conversation. So these are lots of carers of young children. I've got a wonderful carer that's got an eldest son that's walked a very long way. So I brought her in the mix purposely because she will be a role model. She will give hope to those that don't think there's any hope. So it's also, that's where the control comes in. Because actually the groups we work with, a lot of people have very low self-esteem, so a lot of this is actually just about the group together, just looking after people who've got, you know, just getting on to that sort of sense of um, achieving quite small things, quite, you know, that's important for them. We were talking uh, earlier about people. Do you feel that you are kind of adapt to the people you are working with? Because now you are saying that some some of the people are quite uh, fragile. Or? I think you have to be yourself, really. I think it's important that you're very confident, very clear, and people feel safe in your presence that you're holding the room, mm -hmm. but also allow for a lot of discussion and a lot of. You're constantly giving that authority away as well, aren't you? I think mm -hmm. in, in a sort of subtle way. I think when you work with people at all that don't have a lot of self-esteem and confidence, they'll be kicked quite regular. When you come along and something's wonderful, it takes a process to start actually believing, oh, why are you doing this? Is this for me? It takes a while because it depends on the journey of different people. But I work in a community where people have been, you know, not back regular, bringing something very different. Arts feels less threatening, mm. more expressible. So yeah. you don't feel like you're well, it is therapy. a class doing an exam, I suppose, for me. Lovely. I, I'm, I'm a big one for metaphors and I'm loving this uh, orchestra, the mm. idea of the orchestra that you're bringing people in and people are coming in themselves and yeah. And I also I had a moment where I had a vision of, um, you know, like the artist's frame, like when you're going to create something and you don't know what's going to be in the frame, but you like you do build the, the frame yeah. to start with. And, and I wonder if that's part of the structure that we bring, as well as bringing ourselves into that picture, as you said, Frank. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really good discussion. And, and maybe we haven't mentioned the idea of making mistakes. That's a really big part of, yeah. making, of doing art. And, you say. know, funding is, is all about risk averse. But actually, you have to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. mistakes is a great way of learning. If you yeah. don't make them, what do you learn from? I embrace them. I, I think mistakes are quite usually not, uh, we don't want to make mistakes, no. isn't it? It's like something we are... Well, we call them happy mistakes. Happy mistakes. Happy accidents. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we've, we've made plenty of happy accidents on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have the baggies and the awards and things in the background. So welcome to the community. You're a happy conversation. Exactly. Really enjoyed it. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Th